0: race is socially constructed the racial categories to which we're assigned based on how we look to others or how we identify ourselves can determine real life experiences inspired by hate and make a real difference between life and death for an individual what is it that determines whether you are black or not There are lots of boundary questions as to what's deciding here, so there's so much to think about, and we're not going to answer all of the questions around colorism in this episode, but we hope there's enough in here to get conversations going. I really hate that the world is so shallow. The onus is on us to make things better for all of us. We need to recreate our narrative, Welcome to Necessary Rebels. I'm Sandra, And I'm Kanna. We're two professional women who are passionate about tackling racism and inequalities in life and work. Whether you're in the USA or the UK, change is happening. Do you want to know how to be actively anti-racist? Do you want advice on challenging racism? Do you know how to have those uncomfortable conversations? Then lean in and join us with great tips from professionals on how to be a Necessary Rebel. Well, let me just start by sending out a welcome to Season 2 of Necessary Rebels. And over the next five episodes, Kenna and I will each be interviewing guests to get their experience and advice on tackling racism and inequality. So welcome Caroline Chinakwe and her sister Isabella. Caroline is a London based, Nigerian born, and self taught mixed media artist. Caroline has over 20 years' experience working in the fashion industry in various capacities, including production, design, and styling, and for brands including UK labels Nicole Fahi and Karen Millen, and for African luxury boutique Polo Avenue in Lagos, Nigeria. In 2017, noticing the lack of diversity, and positive representations of Black models and designers in fashion media. Caroline started creating visuals made up of mixed media collages of Black models that portrayed the types of images she felt was a true representation of Black people, using her background in fashion and styling as her first point of inspiration. Welcome, Caroline. Thank you so much. I'm happy to
1: to actually be talking about this subject.
0: Oh, thank you. And Isabella... Isabella, welcome. Isabella went to Middlesex University where she studied business and communications. She went on to work at Citigroup, then had a change of career and moved into management accounting. She worked in fast moving consumer goods for the next 10 plus years in various commercial finance roles for companies including Coca Cola and Diageo in the UK, the Netherlands, and Dubai. Then in 2014, she moved to Qatar to join her husband. She now works as business finance manager for Qatar Airways, looking after Europe and the Americas. Welcome. Welcome, Isabella. Thank you so much for being here.
2: Thank you, Sandra. Thank you for having me.
0: I'm so I'm so happy. We had a conversation about your work, Caroline, but found that the discussion we took kind of took a different focus, didn't we? <laughs> and then we started talking, we started kind of discussing colorism and how important it was to address it. Um, I think it's best we start by describing colorism, as many of our listeners might not have heard the term before. Colorism is defined as discrimination and prejudice against dark-skinned people. This type of discrimination occurs amongst people in the same ethnic or racial group. This form of discrimination exists amongst African, African African-American, Caribbean, and South Asian communities. Colorism is not the same as racism, but it is just as harmful. In contrast, we have light skin privilege because society prefers people with lighter skin and deem them more palatable, acceptable, and in some cases more attractive. The lighter you are, the more favorable you are. I think colorism is is a way of hurting each other in the way that we have been hurt. So let me start by asking you both a question. Maybe uh Isabel, you might want to kick us off, so tell me why this topic is important to you, and when did you become aware of colorism
2: okay, so for, for me, it's a topic that I would like to not be important to me I think is is really important for me to start with it's not It's not something that you choose to have it be important, but it becomes important because of barriers to success and stuff like that, that happens to you as you go through your, your, my career in particular. Um, I think I became acutely aware of it from a very early age. And I think this stems from, and my sister obviously can, uh, she'll, she'll understand what I mean. But in our culture, our parents are obviously Nigerian. I was actually born, born in London while my sister was born in Nigeria. And coming from a West African culture, it is you, it's something that's constantly A topic so I'm dark-skinned while my sister would be perceived as light-skinned and my mother is also light-skinned so when I became acutely aware of colorism in interest in the culture like you go to an African party and uh, my mother would introduce herself and my and obviously introduce her daughters which would be myself and my sister and they would be surprised that I was her daughter because how could I be so dark and my mother be so light so it's a very common thing in the West African culture as well to to judge a person by the colour and to somehow see that as a first attribute. Like, are they, oh, they're light-skinned? Or it's when you have a baby, the first thing that's acknowledged is whether they're of lighter complexion or darker complexion. And that's when I, I think I became acutely aware, acutely aware of it. It's something that's just innate in our culture, unfortunately.
1: Mm. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree with my sister. Um the first time I was aware of it was from my mum, which is such a shame when you think back, when you think about it. It wasn't from anyone else. It was my mum always calling my sister. But I don't know if you remember, mum would always call you the black one, you know, and relatives would always say, oh, you know, the black one. That was how she was referred to. And that's when I realised that, oh, there's a, you know, me being the light one, obviously that was nicer and more, Accepted than the than the black one. Or my mum asking me to make sure I scrubbed my skin hard when I had a bath, or asking me to try all these different creams that she was using um, to keep her skin very, very light. And my mum is very, very light, naturally very light, but she wants to maintain her lightness and her tone to make sure it's even, to make sure it, it looks clean, um, because she would always talk about, you know, some light-skinned people, they look very dirty, um, you know, their skin tone is not totally even, so you'd have patches, and she would say, oh, they don't scrub themselves hard enough. So that was my first experience of the difference between a light-skinned pers- black person and an adult-skinned black person. And as my sister said, you know, I was born in Nigeria, came to the UK when I was six years old, and I honestly didn't know that there was such thing as racism until I came to the UK and even then it wasn't even really racism as such I didn't experience it I experienced prejudice more than racism and again it would be from the the black community rather than the white community so yeah I mean I didn't really see there was that bigger problem until later in life when you know you'd watch music videos and, and you know the media you'd see that people were there was a lot towards the light skin model um than the darker skin model and and then hearing my sister's experience of her life in the job market especially that's when I was like oh wow you know you know it happens but you really don't know it happens like that um especially when you're not you haven't experienced it as a like as a light skin person and as you said the light skin privilege is something that's I really want people to understand and be aware of and accept that it happened that us, as light skinned people, we have a privilege. The same way if you have, you know, the white man's privilege, the white woman's privilege, there is a light skinned privilege as well that we have to acknowledge.
0: Colorism has been a really hot topic in, um, in America, in Black American communities since, since donkey's years, at least since I can remember and i remember being told when i raised issues on blackness to sit my red ass my red bone ass down somewhere i mean i was called stuck up people would say oh she thinks she know better than us and i always felt like i had to prove my blackness like i felt like i had to to prove to other african americans i was black enough you know and even and then just like you in my home the terms black and ugly were used regularly by family members who thought this type of talk was okay. It's like a type of conditioning, isn't it? And, and, and as you say, with the, the media as well, God, I remember looking at music videos and everybody in the music videos was mixed raised or light skin and had good hair. I mean, whatever that means, but you know, that kind of straight or wavy long hair. And, um, and and I remember um you know my my dark skinned sister looking at those videos and kind of wanting to be light skinned um, yeah, so yeah, it is it's definitely a kind of it is a kind of conditioning, and we we do have it in our own homes, don't we yeah,
1: which which is really sad that it's actually started at home first,
0: yeah, it's really sad there's work there's work we've got to do, right? I mean, we've got to do our own work. On this topic, um, Isabella, when did you? When I know you talked a little bit about this already, but um, do you have anything specific you want to share about when you noticed people having negative attitudes about your dark skin?
2: If I am honest with you, I think the 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 first point for me of realizing that dark skin was seen as something negative, aside from the cultural aspect, was with the opposite sex. I would say I think when you are in school, so I went to an all girls school um, in London, and only when you know when you get to that age where uh, boys become a thing, and you're you're thirteen, fourteen, fifteen years old, and girls are talking about boys, uh, and we had a boys' school next door to us, right? So at that point, I have to say, while I experienced all this stuff that we talk about, which is cultural, it didn't it didn't bother me. It didn't it really didn't bother me at all. I just kind of thought, well, this is how it's always been. It's because it it is how it's always been. And they say it and they don't mean it with malice. So when an auntie says it to you, they don't actually realize what they're saying, that it's negative. They're just so conditioned to saying it. The first time I became acutely aware, where I actually felt like it was going to affect me in a negative way was that men especially boys at that time especially in the 80s there was even a thing called like browning in the in the UK and it was like a term referred to for light-skinned girls so it was like boys would say oh she's she's a she's a browning like a like that was a desirable color to have and it was only then that I realized oh my lighter skin friends or my white friends are getting more attention from the opposite sex than I would. And that's when I realized, oh, this is see, and it would be seen as a negative thing. So they would say, oh, she's dark skin. And it would, and when someone says it, it wouldn't be seen as like, she's different. It would be seen as it it was a negative thing. That's the first time I think I I really realized it from a negative perspective, that there was a desire or that it was more desirable, seen as more desirable for someone to be of lighter skin than someone to be darker for me.
0: Mm Yeah. Yeah. And how did that make you feel?
2: It made me feel different and it made, it made you feel like somehow for the first time you start thinking, oh, well then I'm not, I'm actually not good enough. And you start thinking that about yourself. And then obviously the media is also, You know at that pivotal age of 13 14 is where you're just starting to figure out who you are and then the media is also as you mentioned before sandra you're watching videos music videos and everything around you is is light-skinned and is seen as that's like a desirable object that you should aspire to be and there's something you can't change i can't change the color of my skin so if there's an aspiration for something that you can change so To be pretty, someone can go and get plastic surgery. This is something you can't change. And they're telling you the very thing you can't change is seen as negative. For me, I'm really grateful it hasn't had negative impact on me, but I can see how that could have a negative impact.
0: Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Kel, what's been your experience, you know, having lighter skin?
1: I mean, it's, it's funny, you know, when we first had this conversation and you were talking about my experience as a black person I, and I said, oh gosh, I don't know if I'm the right person for this because I haven't had that bad an experience as a black person living in the UK. It's something that I'm not saying it because I'm proud of it. I mean, it's, it's a weird one because, I mean, I'm happy that I haven't had a negative effect. My You know, being black hasn't been negative for me. But at the same time, I have always tried to acknowledge how lucky I was. Growing up, even though colour wasn't an issue for me, I did take advantage of it without even realising I was. Like my sister would say, I, would, you know, I felt like one of the light-skinned girls that would be attracted, attractive to black boys. So if I was in a group of friends and the others were darker skin tone, I knew that I felt confident that, oh, I have nothing to worry about. They're going to find me attractive. And I didn't even think about it then. It wasn't something that I was like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm light-skinned. My girls are darker. They're not going to be. It just just was the case without even realising that this was a privilege for you and you took advantage of that privilege. And it's only now getting older and I'm looking back and I'm thinking about it. I'm I'm actually only just thought about it now that my sister said that. that yeah, I actually took advantage of the fact that I was light-skinned. Or walking into a job interview, I knew that I'd be accepted because I was light-skinned. I looked the part. I looked acceptable. I looked like someone that they could relate to and they wouldn't feel scared or they wouldn't feel threatened by into an interview with confidence. I didn't have to have that barrier of, oh shit, I'm black, I'm dark skinned, you know, my hair's natural or whatever, you know, and are they going to be, are they going to judge me by that first before they even look at my CV? That never crossed my mind because I kind of felt confident that, yeah, I'm okay. I'm, I'm light skinned. And, you know, walking into a store, you know, a, a designer store or a high street store or whatever and feeling like, yeah, I was okay. So you know, I'm just accepting that that was my normality and, and and it was fine for me. It was okay. I, I could get away with it.
0: Yeah, but it, it does piss you off though, doesn't it?
1: It does, especially, you know, I'm a mother now with three kids and, you know, I have three different shades of children to being light skinned like myself to my youngest son, being darkest, darkest skin tone to my middle son, who's no, he's not my middle son, he's my eldest child, he's 24 years old, and he's a nice chocolate brown. And my daughter, I know that as a light skinned girl, her experience is going to be a lot easier than her brothers. Obviously, their boys' journey is going to be hard, but I'm aware that as a young, light skinned, beautiful girl, she's going to have a very easy experience in life as opposed to she had been a darker-skinned girl, which, as my sister said, is not something you, you 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 want to have as an obstacle in your life. You know, so many obstacles in life generally, as human beings, forget about even black human beings, but as human beings, would that, that be an obstacle? And should I feel happy that my daughter's lighter skinned and she's going to go out into the world and not have as many challenges? Should I be, like, relieved at that? I don't know.
0: Yeah. It, it, it's difficult, isn't it? It's difficult because you want to protect your children, don't you? And you want to make sure that they feel confident no matter what skin they're in. And, you know, they, they're kind of self-assured and, and confident in who they are. Um, just going back to Isabella, did you, um, you probably know this already, but by 2027, the skin whitening industry is projected to be worth over $24 billion. Yeah, it's crazy. That is insane. That, that's insane.
2: Yeah, it is. It's crazy.
0: I should also mention that there are many variations of light and dark skin. And the issue of light supremacy affects darker skinned individuals in five key areas. Just job force, self-perception, marriage, society's perception of them, and level of wealth. In many studies, that, that's what they found so colorism affects you in so so many ways
2: I think it's interesting that marriage comes up in there because do you know when I was when I was thinking about this topic Sandra I was thinking about this one thing that I've realized that you tend to find as well which is related to colorism in terms of suitors right so if for example in 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 African culture and I don't know whether it's the same in you know in your in your family as well but in in America but If, for example, you have a dark skinned son, you will, you'll find that the mum will try and make sure that, you know, try and see if she can find a light skinned suitor. So there's not two dark skinned people getting married. You know, somehow that's like the worst combination. Yeah. So me and my, so my, my husband is also dark skinned. And I remember, for example, meeting his family and obviously them realizing that, oh, she's dark skinned. So it's like in their mind, I think also there seems to be a very different perception of a dark skin. I don't know, Callum, have you seen this, but a dark skin man is, is not a problem in terms of when it comes to matching up marriage, they want the light, the girl to be light skinned, right? A dark skin man is quite desirable. So dark skin, good looking Yoruba guy in African culture is seen as quite, there's no issue with him um, approaching a light skinned girl. But if you have the combination where the girl is dark skinned and the guy is dark skinned, like I remember meeting my, um, my uh, husband's parents was first time and I think they were hoping that I could see I felt like they were hoping that I was going to be light-skinned and the fact that I was dark-skinned was seen as again another like oh they're dark-skinned because I think in their minds back to what Caroline was saying about um, whether she should be happy that her daughter is light-skinned in their world I think they're thinking it's just easier if you're light-skinned and we don't want him to go through that means they're going to have dark-skinned children potentially and this just I think that I think back to your point Sandra parents want to protect their children fundamentally and I don't think they mean it with bad intentions they're thinking about the world out there and how the world perceives you and when you have children and they want it to be easier for you and they know that two dark-skinned people having dark-skinned children just means it could be harder for them and I think that's what they were afraid of you know when they when they saw me and was like oh it-
0: that's insane right
2: I know it's insane
0: it's insane it's just insane you don't you, first of all you don't know what color your child is going to come out like you just don't know I mean my daughter is her father is my complexion but she's much darker than me um so you, like there but my father was very very dark I mean beautiful Oh my God! My grandfather is very, very dark. He is so, so dark. He's he's going to be eighty, but he looks like he's fifty. Okay, he is beautiful. Like I just describe him as the most beautiful man because I just think that dark skin is just—it's most beautiful. Oh my God! It's pure magic, as far as I'm concerned. There's something just so exceptionally beautiful about it. Yeah, interesting mm-hmm.
1: to say that because when I was younger, as much as I knew the privilege of being light skinned, I actually even even being young, even with my, what my mom would say about my sister, I always wanted to be darker skinned. And I wanted to be dark skinned because I recognized that the color to me was so beautiful. And I would actually be jealous of my sister. I don't know if I ever told you that, I was always jealous. of Even now, I look at you and I'm like, oh, she's so lucky. Like, you can't see anything on her skin. Like, she has a, like, you never see it. But mine's like, everything is showing. So I think that has stayed with me in terms of producing my artwork, which without even consciously thinking about it, I was just drawn to darker skin models because to me, they're the most beautiful. They have the best color. The best
0: palette to work on as an artist. Absolutely. I mean, I've seen I've seen your work. It is, it is beautiful. And like you with, with me and my sisters, because me and my sisters, um, three of us are on the lighter side of complexion, and my and I have a sister that's darker. But all of us have children who are darker than us. But we all agreed growing up because we saw what it was like for our dark-skinned sister. That we were we were going to make sure that our children had a real sense of self love, no matter what it took. So what, whenever we spoke to them, it was always about you are so beautiful. Look at your look at your dark skin. You are gorgeous. Like this is you're so lo-. like we were all of our kids. So they've all grown, gone out into the world, kind of probably way too big headed than they need to be. But that was a real decision that we really wanted to make to make sure that we kind of instilled it from from home that they knew how beautiful they were, you know, that was really, really important.
2: I think that's really important. Yeah. I think it's really important. I, th- I think you've touched on some of the stuff that is really important that's happening at the moment. Like social media has played a really key role in, in promoting self-love of dark skin girls lately. I, you know, the hashtag black, black girl magic, for example, that is a key example of where we're celebrating now dark skinned girls and saying how wonderful they are and, and, and promoting it, you know, so that your young girls out there when they're on social media will have a representation of themselves and see how beautiful they are and seeing it being promoted in a positive way as opposed to it being negative.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. And that lead us right to you, Caroline, about your work and what you are doing to highlight and promote dark-skinned women? So tell us, tell us about that.
1: My my reason for promoting dark wasn't even. Obviously, I don't. I haven't experienced the situations that darker-skinned women have been through or men have been through in, in in the world growing up. So I wasn't even coming from there. And also, you, you know, you see all the hashtags, Black Girl Magic and and melanin and all that kind of stuff. And it was it, it came from the darker skin you know, men and women out there they had to do it because they had to find that self-love and they had to give it to their children. Whereas as a light-skinned woman, I didn't have to do it in that same way. I was just being black. And th- this is the one thing that I want to really, really push with lighter-skinned black women and men is that you do have a privilege. Don't just sit on it and use it. Don't recognize what other black people are going through, you know, whether you're if you're at work and you see that, you know, your black colleague had been overlooked. I mean, even things like being invited out for drinks at the end of, of the day, you know, if they're going to invite one person, it's probably going to be you, if you're light-skinned, then the dark-skinned black girl or guy, they're going to be overlooked. Obviously. So just little things like that that we might go along with. I'm like, yeah, you know, I'll go out for a drink and you're not even going to ask, you know, did Isabella get invited as well? And if she isn't getting invited, why isn't she getting invited? Ask that question. Invites it, but just let those little things that we just take advantage of because, you know, you're thinking about yourself. You're thinking about your experience. You climb up that ladder. So this is just something that I really want people to, people of a lighter who to actually really think about and be aware of and understand how privileged we are. That yes, we're all black and we are all experience racism, but it's in a completely different way. It's in a way that you just have no idea of your life so different if you were born with a different skin tone to your colleague or your brother or your sister how different it is but um I mean, we've got people in Nigeria like you know that are really really practicing this whole skin skin bleaching thing which I'm shocked that it's still going on till today it's still a huge industry as you said 24 million billion. you've got celebrities you know pop Artists like, um, what's that lady, Densia in, in Nigeria, she's half Cameroonian, half Ghanaian, that brought out um, a skin bleaching cream called, um, I can't remember, White Nishas, something like that. I think it's called White Nishas. And she sold out so quickly and you know, she was very dark, very light, and she promoted it, she loved it, and people encouraged it, not thinking about the risks involved, health risks involved not thinking about how it's going to make you, you know, look later on in life or or, or how it's going to affect the community. But because to, even till today, today, they feel, especially in Africa, more so than the West, they still feel it's so important to be light and the mm-hmm. advantage that you will have in life. And her life did become great after turning a lighter skin colour, which is the sad part about it is that you can't say to her, well, no, you're not going to be treated any different, or your life isn't going to be any different, because she will say, well, actually, my life is completely different. I'm now living the life that I want to live. I'm being respected. I'm being looked at as attractive because I went through this journey. So how do we change it when they're proven that it's actually working?
0: It makes me so sad. I, there's there's something about it that makes me really, really sad. Yeah. Um, because I just think we're beautiful in our skin, in the in, in our own skin. We don't need to change it. I think we need to appreciate the beauty in Blackness, because there is such beauty in Blackness. Um, colorism is an issue that has been rooted strongly in racial segregation and discrimination, but it can be seen as a more modern form of this issue, which is what we're talking about today. Do you both see this as a bias within the Black community? And if so, what do you think we should be doing? within the Black community to address our own prejudice on this issue.
2: If you're of a lighter skin, having having the foresight and thinking about your colleague in the workplace, out there in the world, and supporting them when it might not be your struggle, but it's somebody else's struggle, so because you you have that light skin advantage doesn't mean that you can't stick up for your friend who doesn't get invited or they invite you and you don't go because you say well if 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 I if she can't come with if she's not being invited then i'm I'm not going and you speak up more. I think this is a time to start having the right conversations. I think you mentioned it earlier, Sandra, it's about us having the right conversations and having a conversation in the first place, which doesn't happen. So, you know, this is the time that with all the stuff that's happened with Black Lives Matter, I think it's really important that if you have friends that are of a different colour to you, that you have those conversations with them. And if they haven't, if because some of my friends have had it with me, but if they haven't had that conversation with you because they they might find it awkward, to ask them, why have they not had that conversation? You know, why haven't they? It's been all over the news. You've seen it on TV. It's been everywhere. There's no way they can pretend they haven't seen what's been happening with black people. So to start having the right conversations, I think is really important within our community. Within our community, we're just very good at saying oh it's always been like that so if you've got a family member who is doing that thing of of having a caste preference and saying like oh she's light skinned that's a great thing or oh she's dark skinned that's not not a good thing be the person that says to them that that's not the right thing to say that we need to stop saying those things be i think be brave and have those conversations with, with your family members and your friends that do this stuff that's the only way i think it's going to stop
1: in terms of self love because, I mean, the social media have done a lot, as you said, to promote black beauty, darker skin tone, ever more positive image in, in society. But it's also done a lot with, with our young people in other aspects of, of um, beauty being pushed forward, i.e., you know, all the different um, filters that you get now, you know, to make you look a different shade or to make your hair seem straighter or, your, you know, your cheeks all these things that young people are having to face on a daily basis, because they're seen beauty in so many different ways, you know, enhancing their bodies through surgery. Um, you know, so it's, it's, a, it's going back and forth all the time. It's like, Oh my God, you know, we, we were having issues with just our color. Now we've got all these other issues that we have to add on. top of that. So teaching your children about self-love doesn't matter what they look like, what skin tone they are, what they are, their body weight, you know, that's where it starts off with. But also as, as, as my sister said, and I said earlier on educating our families because that's mm. not unfortunately if the old generation who are still very much part of our lives, <laughs> they're not going anywhere for now is standing up when they do open their mouth and say these negative words about darker skin tone Or, you know, whether you're watching television and people might throw something out there and, you know, you might laugh at it usually. Well, no, don't laugh at it. Let them know that, no, that's not acceptable.
0: We've got to make sure our homes are safe spaces for our children, right? We've got to get out into a world where it isn't safe.
1: Yeah. And and, and having a voice when it comes to the media, what are the media putting out there? You know, writing those letters, tweeting, emailing and saying, look, I'm sorry, but could you change this? This, this isn't accepted. Yes, you know, we talk about it within ourselves, but how much are we really doing to let them know that we are not accepting this anymore? Um, you know, my career, you know, as you mentioned earlier on, going from fashion to art was my my little way back then of retaliating and saying, no, I'm not happy with these images that are out there. It just doesn't represent me. It doesn't represent my people. Um, there's not enough dark-skinned women out there, images out there of men. There's not enough colour, you know, our culture is full of colour, it's full of joy, it's full of happiness, and there wasn't enough. It was of you were seeing black models being made to look like white models in terms of the star, the types of makeup they were using. I'm like, you know, I, I went I go back and forth to Africa and like, this isn't us, this isn't how we see ourselves, this isn't how we want you to see us. And so I started creating these images for that. So that And I had no idea. It was literally for myself to start off with more than anything else. It wasn't about me trying to be an artist because I was very much a fashion person then. I was still very much styling, designing. Art wasn't even in my my future at all. Okay, I'm going to go on social media. What do I want to put out on social media? I wasn't proud of the work that I was doing. It was okay, but it just didn't really reflect me as a person, as a black person. So... I started creating these works made up of collages of black women and restyling them in the way that I wanted to see for myself uh, it rep- how it represented me, it represented the culture that I came from. And getting the response that I did was just mind-blowing, which led me to a whole new career going from fashion to art completely because people needed to see this image. And I, didn't, and I really didn't know because, again, as as light skin. Woman with that privilege, I didn't really see, or I thought I knew how little um, images there were of dark skinned women out there. But I really didn't know how how bad it was. And getting these messages from from people saying, "Oh my God, you know, just me seeing your images makes me so so happy," and you know, puts a big smile on my face. Not just how I want my daughter to see herself. I really had no idea it would
0: happen. It happened organically, didn't it? Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's obviously needed. We need it. Yeah. We need to see ourselves portrayed in that way. Isabella, what what are some of the kind of possible solutions you think there are to colorism?
2: If I think about the five areas that you touched on, and I think about the workplace, um, people at the end of the day, I don't necessarily believe that people are intentionally colorist. They're not looking at colorism in a negative way, but people like to employ people that look like themselves. Okay, so if there are more people in the workforce that look like you, you're going to be more inclined to go and 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 hire those people. I think about it all the time. If if a director is looking for a person in his company, he what happens, I think, is that they interview someone and they can relate to them. Okay, and I, I the reason why I say this, I remember specifically in one one job that I was actually applying for when I came out to Dubai, and I got round to three rounds of interview, and the last round was to go and meet the team. And the team was actually a UK based team, but they had an office in Dubai and they sent me to Manchester to go and meet the team. And when I got there, I realized quite quickly that like they were definitely going to take a chance on me if they hired me in this role. Like it was a senior role and there was no other person of color in that room, you know, no other person of color. And I knew that I'm a female, I'm going into a senior leadership role and I'm, and I'm black. So I knew it was going to be a, a big risk for them to take me. And I I just was thinking, would they take that risk? And they didn't in the end. And they chose somebody else. And they wrote me a letter that was, like, super, super nice. But basically, in other words, was explaining to me that, that just I wasn't the right fit. And I knew what that meant. It meant that, like, I wasn't the right color. That I, I knew that. It wasn't about skill set or you know whether you know I I could tell that I had really good rapport with the two managers the two other directors that were going to be leading that team but I think for them it was like let's send her there now and see whether we can make this work and it would have been them taking a risk and we need more people to take risks we need more people to to take the risks and and hire us and and have the intrigue or just a just a the bravery to just take us in and see what we can do because we can do so much in the workplace if we're invited in
0: that's right that's right That's right we need to take up more space yeah for sure we need sure. to take up more space yeah definitely caroline did you want to are there any kind of key messages you want people to take away today
1: i think obviously the first thing which i've been talking about all the way through is is um the lighter skin people out there understanding the privilege they have, which also gives them a little bit of more power and opportunity to actually be the voice and say things and not just accept their privilege and take advantage of it and only use it for themselves to benefit themselves. We have to work together as a team. We have to work together as unity to make these changes happen. And it definitely has to start from us within the home, us speaking out within the workplace, but also us speaking out within our community. What are you doing in your community, your community being where you live, to make these changes, to see changes happening within your local council, for instance? I mean, already, you know, the voices are, are dying out and they're fading and we are not seeing anything happening.
0: We cannot let it. We cannot let it. We've got to stay loud. We've got to stay loud. Caroline, do you want to tell people where they can find you?
1: I'm on social media. So I'm on um, Instagram. That's the first place you can find me um, under Caroline Chinakwe Arts. And that has the majority of my work on it. But I'm also about to launch my website, which will be an e-commerce website, where I will be sending my artwork, but I'm also um, developing new products as well. So a lot of homeware products um, that again reflect my community in, you know, vibrant colors and um, models of different hues, you know, because as black people we come in so many different beautiful shades. So it's not just about dark skin models, light skin models, you know, and, you know, you have white, white looking black people as well in this world. Lots of different shades. My new collection, which I hope to be launching next month, is about celebrating the different hues of black people. is about understanding colorism and seeing and understanding the privilege that we all have in, in our different lighter skin tone as opposed to those in darker skin tone. So, yeah. So yeah, I think Caroline should
0: not play arts. Amazing. Thank you for that. To our listeners, I just want to leave you with this. All Black lives matter. We come in many shades and we are beautiful in every single one of them. To all my sisters, this is not the time to bid against each other. We need to love on each other, support each other, look after each other. It's been amazing to speak to you both. Thank you so much for talking to us on this really, really important issue and really sharing your own personal stories and experiences. So thank you, thank you, thank you so much for um, talking to us and keep doing what you're doing.
1: Thank you so much for having Thank you. Thanks for having us.
0: You can find Necessary Rebels on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And on Instagram at Necessary underscore Rebels underscore pod. We hope you've enjoyed listening to Necessary Rebels. This was an ii Studios production. We'll see you for the next episode. Thank you for listening.